A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and... And welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash as Van Damme and Lundgren face off against Stallone and Snipes. It's Universal Soldier versus Demolition Man. On Monday's episode, we went on an explosive chase across the desert with added buttocks and ear necklaces in Universal Soldier, which means on this ep, we're back in that era of 90s action cinema where giving your leads the most ridiculous names possible was the order of the day. So say hello to John Spartan and Simon Phoenix, two relics from the past that thawed out in 2032 to do battle in a world where everything deemed unpleasant has been outlawed. What happens when fish-out-of-water comedy meets sci-fi action romp meets Sylvester Stallone? From 1993, it's Demolition Man. So who will be crowned the winner at the end of this episode? Universal Soldier or Demolition Man? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And it is part two of this week's face-off. We did Universal Soldier. We are now doing Demolition Man. Chris, remind us of the connection between these two movies. I can. The connection is it takes a frozen maniac to catch a frozen maniac. (laughs) (laughs) A great line. Uh, A great line in this movie. Um... Yeah, brilliant. Well, I'm excited uh, about this one. I was excited when I heard you'd picked it this week. A little upset that I went through Universal Soldier on Monday and Vicky gets the pleasure of going through Demolition Man. But um, yeah, Chris, do you want to take us uh, away? Ask us some questions about this glorious experience that is Demolition Man? Sure. I mean, we normally kick off with the synopsis. (laughs) I've actually written something. So shall I just get on with that and then Alex can catch up later, yeah? Do it. 
<laughs> Shut up. I was sorry. I was looking at my notes. I'm sorry, Vicky. Please take us through the synopsis. <clears throat> yeah, honestly, it's so rude. I spend such a long time on these things. Now, yeah. okay, I'm going to start now. So shush. Okay. Welcome to the brave new world slash increasingly familiar world of San Angeles, where people avoid physical contact and love video conferencing. Sylvester Stallone plays John Spartan, sentenced to cryo-freezing in 1996 and defrosted in 2032 to find that everything is brilliant, as long as you don't like spicy food, leaky sex, and abortions. <laughs> and uh-oh, here's 90s villain Wesley Snipes, a.k.a. Simon Phoenix, wreaking vintage havoc on this peaceful city in his quest to kill resistance leader Edgar Friendly, who advocates for freedom of choice with a side of barbecue ribs and cigars. Sandra Bullock is the 90s fetishizing modern police officer in need of an old-fashioned cop to catch an old-fashioned crook and hilarity ensues, or it tries to, but Sylvester Stallone didn't get that particular memo slash pager alert slash AOL chat room notice or whatever <laughs> with very curious results. Final word, knitting. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a what? bit in it about knitting, which I oh. still don't get. Oh, I've seen it twice. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I honestly thought you went, your ting? That's what I thought you said. <laughs> I thought you said your ting? Yeah. I thought it was like Bo Selector. <laughs> what a brilliant catchphrase. I was like, did you, you had a very different 90s to me. I mean, we had Schwing from Wayne's World, but we never had your ting. Wouldn't it be cute if that's like, I just misunderstood it at the time and I've been saying your ting <laughs> for 20 years. But you, so you did. Hey, what's you up, did, your ting? You didn't understand the knitting thing. No. Again, I didn't understand the knitting thing. Why don't... I mean, we'll come to it, but yeah. it's because that was what he was told to do to, like, be, become a better person. Like, they give you a task to perform right. that alters your behaviour and stops you destroying, demolishing everything. I mean, it's a nitpicky point, but he bangs on about not being no. a seamstress. But... Chris, <laughs> nits, nits picky, nits picky. Um, but think? seamstresses don't knit, you think? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Very confusing. In the year 2032. This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm. We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man. John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi. From another time. Pass is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. As I've mentioned, this is the second time I've seen this film. And I want to resurrect a phrase that Chris used the other week to think it's funny, but this is a crackers film. <laughs> this, <laughs> this film is fucking bonkers. I'd only remembered the sex scene, such as it is, 
And I'd forgotten how much Sylvester Stallone is in a very different film to everybody else. And just thank God for Sandra Bullock. Like I'd had a few drinks when I watched this. I thought I was fucking tripping my face off. I didn't have a clue what was happening a lot of the time. Um, how many times have you seen this film? <laughs> this that's not uh, that's not just because you were drunk. Massive parts of this film make absolutely no sense. In, in this, to the extremes that characters go and do one thing and then appear in other scenes, having not done the thing that they said they were going to do. It's like just re- it's put together by a madman. Mm, it's bonkers. How many times have you seen it, Chris? Uh, a couple of times, I would say, uh, before this go around. But the first time is quite vivid. My dad was doing business in New York and we went out there for half term in October 1993. Wow. And I remember oh, you're really... you're so Donatart sometimes. You are so like Ivy League. <laughs> like, you really are. You fancy. You are. And I remember you're really ting. vividly you're one ting. evening convincing my parents <laughs> to let us go and see two films at the cinema because... I convinced them that my brother wanted to see one and I wanted to see the other when really it was me wanted to see them both. And <laughs> so we did a double bill of A Bronx Tale, Robert De Niro's directorial debut, and this film. And I remember this so vividly how crazy the New York audience went for the movie and especially every time Wesley Snipes takes the piss out of New Yorkers in it, which happens a couple of times. So it was a really yeah. fun, raucous atmosphere in that in that theater that night and it, it's just stuck with me it's a crowd pleaser so it's a weird one isn't it do you i've watched films when you watch a movie in america and a lot of filmmakers talk about this when they watch a movie for the first time with an audience here in the uk at a premiere compared to when they do it in america and just how vocal a u.s audience is like the, the a cinema going experience in america is an entirely different thing to in the UK and it's not even if it's a full cinema what did I go and see I went to see oh gosh I can't remember some movie like in the middle of the day that I had to see for work and it was a sparsely filled cinema and the few people that were still there it wasn't about being a part of a big crowd they were still like shut up at the screen (laughs) no way hey don't look behind you man it's like what on Mm. earth is this I think (laughs) I think someone once told them that they're part of the show. They're part of the entertainment. And so <laughs> they join in. But yeah, it is It is a more, um, there's more audience participation, isn't there, it seems, when you watch a movie in the States. Yeah. Um, you mentioned um, uh, on the last episode, I, I, I think, um, Chris, about Sylvester Stallone saying that he's um, he's got plans for a Demolition Man sequel. Um I just I I I look at this because uh, I'm very interested to know whether he's going to do this because I'm a, I'm a huge Demolition Man fan, um, and he has said on an Instagram Q and A, yes, uh, it's in the works. We're working on it right now with Warner Brothers, and it's looking fantastic. So that should come out. That's going to happen. Uh, now, for anyone getting too excited, though. Sylvester Sloan has, in various forms of media, also committed to an Expendables 4, a Rocky 7, a Cobra sequel, a Cliffhanger 2, and a Tango and Cash 2. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a long list of maybes there. Uh, and I don't want to spoil where we're going uh, with this conversation, but um, the screenwriter, Daniel Waters, has said that Joel Silver once told him that he's got an idea for a sequel 
in which uh, Meryl Streep plays Sylvester Stallone's daughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I read that. <laughs> I thought it sounded brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. I don't know what Meryl would have to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, let's go back to Daniel Waters um, mm. because so the way that this... I mean, you you might have other things to add. I imagine you will. Um, he said that the way that this film actually started was, if you imagine, um, there's a place called City Walk at Universal Studios, which is like a massive indoor, like shopping mall, leisure complex, kind, like a very sanitized space. And the thought was like, what if all of LA was like that? But there is a Hungarian writer whose name I, I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm just going to have a bash at it. And I think it's Istvan Nemere, who claims that the film more or less totally plagiarizes his book uh, which is called fight of the dead which i haven't read um so i can't but it's, I can't... it's a much better name isn't it i think <laughs> yeah. it's actually battle. I, I think it what is it I, I i wrote it down as battle battle of the dead but yeah, yeah i mean same thing it's a great name yeah it is. Well, this is the thing, because The Demolition Man, isn't that just because of the song? It's not, it doesn't really make that much sense. Like, So there's that awful song, that Sting song, and mm. Sandra Bullock Fucking is... Fucking terrible. It's awful. And she's forced <laughs> to like say to Sylvester Stallone, you keep demolishing things, which I suppose he does, but to the point where it's like a nickname, I don't, <laughs> I don't see that. Um, whatever. Um, and then but- you've got... A- Go on. No, I just be I, that 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 writer thing. It, it gets really just honestly. There's a film in there or a TV series anyway. Because what that writer, that Hungarian writer, talks about, um, he says that what happened was after the Iron Curtain fell, um, a lot of people in Eastern Europe started taking ideas from um, Eastern European literature that hadn't made it to the West and selling them to Hollywood, because Hollywood was simultaneously going, well, there's a, a whole new uh, resource of ideas for books, because far be it from us to come up with an idea ourselves. So <laughs> let's um, let's steal that. And people were selling Hollywood these ideas, and someone sold his idea to Hollywood for Demolition Man, sold them basically the idea of this book uh, without consulting him. And he says, um, game, uh, also, Game for 10 Billion was another of his books that Deep Impact is pretty much identical to. So this was a real thing that was going on where suddenly there was this resource of ideas that had opened up to Hollywood after um, the uh, the Iron Curtain fell in the uh, early 90s, late 80s. Oh, that's, that's genuinely interesting. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it, because of the sort of the libertarian uh, messaging and the anti-fascism and what? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, and then you've got a young director uh, who was 28 at the time called Marco Brambilla. Um, and he says that David Fincher recommended him to Joel Silver for this job. And so he now is a, a I don't know if he was at the time, but he is now a very well-respected artist. Um, and he was sort of seduced by the idea of using his skills on a huge Hollywood scale to make Demolition Man. And I think it was the the first and last time he did that um, (laughs) because he didn't have so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, he made made one other movie and then he's a visual visual artist uh, based in New York now. But if you look at his Wikipedia, it feels like he's tried to almost scrub this from his history. Like it's it's a really tiny footnote at the bottom of his page. When this is kind of a big deal, directing a movie this big. Yeah, at 28, it's crazy. 
The quote is, are you the, the, someone that, a journalist asked him the question, are you the only person to ever direct a film with Sylvester Stallone and have artwork in the Guggenheim? <laughs> is, uh, I, I think that's a hard yes. But he got the job because um, he says David Fincher uh, actually got him this job because uh, they were I friends. I just said that. Vicky just said that. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's sorry. Okay. Um, it's okay. It's not like you say. It's good to know someone's listening when you're telling a story. <laughs> that's your that's your line. So carry on. By my own fatard. Um, uh, I've, yeah, hold on. I've got written down here. I've got an anecdote about Fuck off, David. Chris. I know what you're Fincher. about to say. <laughs> David Fincher anecdote I've got here. If anyone's interested, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to hear it? <laughs> it's terrific. Oh god. Oh. Uh. So anyway, um, he uh, apparently he got the movie because David Fincher. <laughs> uh, let's run it into the ground so it's all forgotten. <laughs> Carry on, Victoria. No, I tell you what. Why fucking bother? Um, you... <laughs> why, don't, why don't you say what you want to say, and then if I've got anything to add, I will add it later. <laughs> I'm not cross. <laughs> okay, if you've got anything else to say about David Fincher, let me know. But if not, can we talk about casting? Can we move on? <laughs> yeah. Uh... Yep, yeah, no, I'm just reading, literally just reading through my David Fincher notes, making sure <laughs> covered. No, that was everything. It was really that um, David Fincher got in the film. That was sort of, that was the, the main point I was really wanting to to put out there. So, uh, so <laughs> I, I think yeah. people know now. I think, <laughs> I think they've got that. Uh, so I did read, might not be true, uh, old JCVD was going to be in it with Steven Seagal, um, mm. but that didn't happen. And at one point it was going to be Jackie Chan as the villain Simon Phoenix and that eventually goes to Wesley Snipes and yep. Sandra Bullock uh, who plays Lenina Huxley thank you Brave New World uh, was going to be played by Laurie Pettit who I love in A League of Their Own and they recast that after filming started so I don't know what happened maybe you do uh, all I could find was creative differences is what is what sort of quoted everywhere which is means nothing does it yeah. I did want to just jump in at this point. Um, there was a Hungarian writer. Um, I can't actually, I don't actually know how to pronounce his name, but I'm going to give it a shot here. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> one final fact, which you probably already know, so I don't see what the point is. Um, your favourite woman, um, Adrian Bob. <laughs> She's in it. She's the computer's voice. Uh, again, being the voice of a computer. So good for her. That's so weird. She was the chess set. In, well, she was the chess set when we did the thing. Yeah. Uh, did, how, what a niche. Yes. Uh, we've got a computer. Who can do that? Well, and Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau can. Well, anyone could really. Adrian Barbeau. Get me Adrian Barbeau. She's also the voice exactly. of Stephen Hawking, little known fact. Are you telling the truth? Yeah, no, that's that's her voice. Shut up. Are you telling the truth? No. (laughs) (laughs) I I just wanted to know, um, before we sort of crack on, um, Laurie Petty uh, was actually (laughs) cursed. Is this how you earn forgiveness? Is that how you do it? (laughs) What? You just make something so ridiculous that I can't be mad about it. (laughs) But do you forgive me? (laughs) I guess. Okay. All right. All right. Here we go. Let's talk about this film. Are you ready? 
Yeah. So um, what we've got is the LA riots and they just don't stop. So <laughs> um, Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes are enemies and because of a falling out involving some hostage situation, which they both fuck up. So Sylvester Stallone is a police officer. Wesley Snipes is a criminal. Sylvester Stallone's gunko demolition man attitude means that Wesley Snipes hostages get killed. They both get cryo-frozen as a punishment or something. And then pow, it's 2032. Here's Sandra Bullock. She's got 90s eyebrows and she's a 90s fetishist. She's got lethal weapon posters, red hot chili peppers posters, but there's no crime. And she hates that weirdly. And she wants a it's, bit of 90s action. That that off. It's so weird, the stuff they've got assembled in that office to show her love for the 20th century. Because it's they've got a Lethal Weapon 3 poster. You're like, all right, cool. Blood well, no, sugar, no, because I had a Lethal Weapon 3 poster in 1992. But mm. I would not have it now, looking back on that decade. They got that wrong. You'd have <laughs> Lethal Weapon 1, wouldn't you? You wouldn't have Bloody yeah. 3. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have Lethal Weapon 1. Um, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, though. That's a, that's a great album. Uh, you yeah. can have a poster of that. Uh, I don't quite know what a Samurai Sword uh, how that celebrates the 20th century. <laughs> Just a sword from uh, uh, feudal Japan, uh, which was not in the 20th century. Uh, or a, a, a jack-in-the-box snake, famous 20th century <laughs> toy, or a toy fire engine. Uh, and when people look back at the 20th century, people aren't going to go, oh, I remember those toy fire remember engines. remember fires? Have- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a bit obsessed but- with, like, because it's... It's just it's just passed off as like oh she's just obsessed with the nineties and no one questions it or says well what like why like why as a police officer what's the thrill and I went down a, a weird Google research hole of what it would be the equivalent now so like what would a police officer being obsessed with like crime from the eighteen sixties or the eighteen seventies so then I looked up like what was a very popular crime back then and would you like to know what I found out. <laughs> Um, it was known that people would sell body parts to use as dripping as cooking fat what what period are you talking about like 1860s why are you talking about why are you talking about 1860s oh (laughs) because are you not listening either it doesn't make any sense (laughs) it's got no relevance I got you back here, V. Let me make it up to you. Let me make up the David Fincher debacle from earlier. It's because if 2032 and Sandra Bullock's obsessed with the, the 1990s. 90s. Yes. If, if in this era. Yes. Oh, no, no, Chris is right. Exactly. <laughs> You'd go back about 40 years, wouldn't you? Yeah, but that's too. That's that's not funny. You see, that's where you. <laughs> that's where you always fall down. You value realism over what you do. You know you do. Yeah. All right, it's bring funny. the funny then. Bring the funny. Come on, Vicky. It's too late. You've ruined everything. <laughs> um, I, I'm interested to know uh, a couple of things that we we sort of skipped over. Uh, first of all, uh, John Spartan being cryogenically uh, frozen. Uh, it, he gets this seventy years in a cryo penitentiary. Uh, seemingly uh, based on the fact that these bodies are dead and everyone's going, the bodies are dead. And Wesley Snipes goes, see that, Captain? I told him and he said he didn't care. <laughs> yeah. And the, the the statement from the the known murderer, Simon Phoenix, is pretty much enough for his <laughs> boss who goes, well, there you go. He said it, so you're going to prison for 70 years. <laughs> the the, the <laughs> statement from the psychopath who's dressed as a leather clown. <laughs> 
<laughs> sorry, the coked up psychopath. He's, he's, he's having a great time when, when Sylvester Stallone turns up. He's like, be with you in a minute, John. <laughs> it was the 90s. Uh, Oh, yeah. But then we didn't even talk about um, literally watching a lubed up Stallone rolling around in a perspex cylinder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't miss out that because I swear at one point, and I did watch it three times, you can see his penis pressed up against the perspex. Uh, I mean, I thought that was a risk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it must have happened on set a lot, but I didn't rewind it to check. Oh, well, uh, I did, and it's there. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to complete the holy trinity. I've got Bruce Willis in The Colour of Night, Sylvester Stallone in Demolition Man. Once I get Arnie, I've got the entire planet Hollywood investors. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Just give me a minute. (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) that's very clever (laughs) oh dear anyway so uh wesley snipes is defrosted i can't remember why (laughs) um and then uh sandra bull all the police officers are basically useless in 2032 and soft and don't know what to do so sandra has the great idea of as Chris has said, you need a frozen cop to catch a frozen crook. So let's defrost John Spartan. You need and a maverick he... who doesn't play by the rules, don't you? you... God, you yeah. do. You always do, actually. She's got a weird arc, doesn't she? Because at the start, because like there's no crime anymore, but she literally is longing for chaos. She, I think someone actually says to her at one point, what, you want chaos and crime? She's like, yep, that I do. It's like, that's weird. Yeah. That's a really weird thing to long for. Um, yeah, and you think given that something as mundane as uneducational toys are illegal, you think that expressing a desire for crime, that would probably get you put in prison? <laughs> but anyway. She makes it clear that there's a connection between violence and sex, and uh, it clearly makes her horny later in the film, so maybe she's just a, <laughs> a horn dog. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. It's a strange thing. Um, Let's, we'll get to that. It's um, oh. That's an odd one. The one thing that uh, hasn't progressed uh, in the future that uh, they don't have um, they don't have as a goal is uh, efficiency because um, they've replaced murder with murder, death, kill. Oh yeah, which it seems like too many words to, mm. to say one thing, especially if if someone's being murdered, you're in a bit of a rush. So going, oh, we've got another murder, d- death, kill. Uh, it's just murder. We'll be fine. You can just say murder. So this is where. Um... Huxley informs that Sandra Bullock, uh, John Spartan, that anything not good for you is illegal. So this is where the film, um, this is where it's become quite legendary about um, it. Does it talking about the things that that people find interesting in their life, or makes life worth living, or makes you feel dangerous and alive and also then you sort of bleed over into the libertarian argument about freedom of choice and freedom of speech and the nanny state and all the rest of it. Um, I wonder what you two think about that. What do you think about the interference of the state, the the, the body politic versus the, the body personal? What are your thoughts? I think it's really interesting that this future is 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 like a weird combination of liberalism and fascism. Yeah. Um, uh, and and some yeah, as you say, someone literally says things don't happen anymore. We've taken care of that. 
And you might think in your head, oh, maybe I would accept these rules for a crime-free world, which is essentially what they've got. But they also examine the other side of that, where people are depressed um, and they're literally having to speak to have booths, give them positive affirmation um, during the day just to keep them going because of how this is having an effect on their mental health. This fact that the fact that nothing happens. Yeah, but um, that's that's you could you could make an argument that that's Instagram now and people are already depressed and there's loads of crime. So I don't know. Maybe yeah, I, I wrote down it's it. like selfies. It's like putting a selfie up and, and expecting, you know, people to like it and feeling bad when they don't. Um, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think really, it's really interesting. Yeah, but also I do think it's meant to be a comedy, and you know, you've got, the way that the characters talk is meant to be funny. But Sylvester Stallone isn't reacting in any way that helps you laugh with like <laughs> the absurd situation. So it is a clash between uh, a liberal society and a fascist society. But you meant I think you meant to think it's funny and and uh, amusingly confusing, and it, it you're just not allowed to because it's just what is what's he doing. Although, what I should say is, I'm only talking about this because I would like to get to the three seashells. I think that's very important. (laughs) Just before we jump on to what is a a, a truly fascinating uh, question, Daniel Waters, the writer, does sort of talk about how a lot of people um, send him links and stuff to, uh, uh, as he puts it, um, diehard, charitably, libertarian guys who... uh, who used Demolition Man as the greatest thesis statement of the 90s uh, because of how uh, it's uh, talking about the world gone politically correct and how awful that is and they should be allowed to say what they want and do what they want. And he doesn't like that. He's quite against the idea of the right wing, using it as some kind Mm. of a soothsaying movie about what the future is going to be if the left win. (laughs) <laughs> um so three seashells everyone they don't it, the, the one of the funniest lines in the whole film is when sandra bullock is like laughing about john spartan sort of philistine practices to say that we used to use like wadded up paper in the bathroom and she thinks that's hilarious and, ev- and everyone thinks that's hilarious and it is quite funny if you think about it objectively that that's the best we can do um, and I do like the fact that the, so now they use three seashells and Sylvester Sloan can't believe that. And it's never explained as to how you would do that, which is a good idea because obviously it's pretty gross once you get into it. But also it's given the film maybe arguably more of a lease of life because people still want to know what the fuck you do with three seashells. Do you have, did anyone at least try and have a guess at what it might be? I, I did. And it's, it's horrible. <laughs> uh, 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 I mean, it involves scraping and scooping and wiping and like, but mainly scraping and scooping. Chris? It doesn't mean anything. I mean, he made it up. He, he wanted to come up with something that sounded vaguely weird and futuristic. Uh, he's got a record as saying that. He said that it helped him get out of jury duty once, though. Um, <laughs> because when he was on jury duty, a bailiff um, said that he did figured it out said you use one seashell to pinch apart your bottom and the other seashell to pull out the excrement and then the third seashell has a hose that washes off the remains and and Daniel Water said if that gets me off jury duty you're right <laughs> so <laughs> a, se- a seashell with a hose what? well this is what i this is what i came to like uh, a the conch. only thing the only thing i can think is that underneath each one one is a hose one is a dryer one is some talc or something not that you talc <laughs> i don't talc my bottom after i use the toilet by the way but it's got to be like there's got to be something under there like they're just a lid on something there's no 
There's no way of doing it otherwise. <laughs> oh, so anyway, um, we need to get Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone in a scene together because they... Uh... <laughs> He's been absent for 34 minutes. Sylvester <laughs> yeah. Stallone. And like, you see him at the start and he's gone for 34 minutes and it's just Wesley Snipes doing like roundhouse kicks to weird record scratches and sound effects. It's just, just odd. Yeah. And then... And you just wait for Sylvester Stallone to get back. And it is good, that scene, after he's told about the three seashells and he does stand next to the machine that issues tickets, if you swear, and he just goes, fuck, Oh, that's Ethel. good. Yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. <laughs> and it prints out loads of paper. And then he goes, here, I'm going to go to the toilet now. Yeah, that's brilliant. Like, yeah, except, ouch, paper cuts. I did think about that. I mean, I did lose the thread of it a bit here again, apart from... So Wesley Snipes needs to get a gun. You can only get a gun from a museum, but they're all fully loaded and ready to go in this museum. Um, mm-hmm. But the best bit, and this is cool, is underneath, sort of, there's like a see-through floor in the museum and they've got like a vint- what would be a vintage street scene of um, the 90s. And so we'll come back to that for a fight later, but that's such a fun idea, like a cool idea that... Um, Wesley Snipes and Sylvester Stallone, they're foreshadowing the fact they will be able to have a fight in familiar territory, even though it's like a historical artifact by that time. It's like some if some Vikings were unfrozen and had a fight at the Jorvik Viking Centre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. That's brilliant. Yeah. That would, I'd love to see that. <laughs> then there's some fighting somewhere, something about Nigel Hawthorne, which I kind of missed. And really, <laughs> yeah. when this film tries to do anything but a series of gags and fights, it's you go, what? She, what? Sorry, what? He's going to kill Dennis Leary because the system he's built, he already hates. He doesn't think it's strict enough. Yeah. So it doesn't I'm, make any what? sense. He's like, I want, car- with Edgar Friendly, Dennis Leary dead, I'll have carte blanche to create the perfect society. But it's like, but you did that already. And, also, just sh- <laughs> just shoot him, just shoot him. What you don't need to get Wesley Snipes to shoot him in the head. You can shoot him in the head. It was only forty years ago. Um, I don't know. It just seems a bit convoluted, but whatever. It is yeah. convoluted. Um, who yeah, cares? you've got, you've got. He's basically playing Sir Humphrey, isn't he? As well from the Yes Prime Minister series. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he's doing nothing different. And I, I, to be fair, I did like the fact that he was so clearly the villain that they didn't bother to try and pretend he's not, which you would normally get in these kind of films. That's true. It would be yeah. a twist, whereas with this, they were like, nah, we, we've cast a posh English guy. Everyone's going to know. <laughs> let's, let's, just, uh, yeah. let's just reveal it early doors. <laughs> but I would like to talk about the, inverted commas, the sex scene, because Sandra Bullock has never been better. Never, <laughs> never been better in this. She pulls off that scene, so like it's basically single-handedly, um, so the he pulls off is... what single-handedly? Sorry. Oh, oh all right. So, so, has anyone got a symbol crash for Chris? I haven't got anything. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the conceit is in 2032, people don't sw- transfer fluids between each other, so you don't have sex with each other. So you put on a headset, you pop on a little headset, and then something happens. Now there will be fluid somewhere, I hope, but it's not. It's the well, exchange. There is. 
She gives him a towel, doesn't she? Which is the grimmest part. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, no. (laughs) So it's a bit strange because even though Sandra loves everything about the 20th, as she sweetly calls it, she's absolutely appalled by the idea of having real sex with Sylvester Stallone, which I kind of understand, but not for those reasons. You think she'd be like firmly into it? But she's not. Especially, especially when sex in 2032 is fucking terrifying. He's like, yeah. sees these sort of day glow flashes of her going, ah, uh, in his eyes. And he, I'd be like, what the hell is that? That's, that's awful. And also everyone knows you keep your eyes closed the entire time. So he wouldn't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one bit of advice for Stallone here. She says, what are you doing when he goes to kiss her? And she, he says, breaking the law before trying to kiss her. Never say that. <laughs> Never say that. Never admit wrongdoing in this situation. Um, and speaking of this scene, Vicky, what was your favourite of, of, of Sylvester Stallone's descriptors for 20th century sex in this scene? Can you... Oh, yeah. That's oh, what I was just going to say. What does he say? I can't remember. He says, you've got, a, oh, you've got your choice, hunker, Vicky. Chunker. You've got boning, the wild mumbo or the hunker chunker. <laughs> Yeah. My vote is with boning. <laughs> yes, because no one's boning. ever called it the other two things, ever. <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. Outside of... I had to look them up because I'm, I don't have the street smarts that I used to. Uh, Hunker Chunker was uh, made up for this movie, uh, which makes you think you should have made up something better because Hunker Chunker, it, it sounds like... It sounds like vomiting. Up, it sounds like yeah, Hagen-Dazs ice cream. Up chunks. Doesn't it? Ben and oh. Jerry's. Well, no, no. No, I can't put those two together. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and also he's wearing white socks, as I've mentioned on the previous episode, which is disgusting. So sex is off. Uh, thank you very much. Then there's something about knitting, which I've mentioned before, which I didn't get. Um, and we are building up to uh, Sylvester Stallone being meeting the resistance movement, which is a, it's a shit resistance movement because uh, Edgar Friendly doesn't really seem to be that into it. They're just hungry. They're not. Actually, I've called them a resistance movement, but they're not really. Like they're just trying to steal to survive. Um, yeah. So, so in- when when Stallone um, says you've got a few seconds to live, as if he's going to kill one of them, um, that's just an innocent person who wants food that he's trying to kill. Yeah. Uh, so he's not very heroic in that scene. No. Um, so, but Edgar Friendly's very existence threatens the fabric of this society or something. And so Nigel Hawthorne goes to see Wesley Snipes. He's like, but you have to kill him. And then I think Nigel Hawthorne gets killed at this point. Although, like I say, I'm a, a little bit drunk and I've forgotten. It's all a mess is what it is. Because there's a point where Wesley Snipes is told by Nigel Hawthorne, go and kill Edgar Friendly, and he literally climbs into the sewers. You see him going to do that, and then you never see what happens in the sewers. The next thing is he's back uh, threatening Nigel Hawthorne, but he's got some solder pads that he's found somewhere. Oh, yeah, he's found a whole outfit from somewhere. He's down there with his gang, though, isn't he? He's putting together his gang there down in the tunnel. That's that's later, though. No, because at that point, he hasn't told Nigel Hawthorne that he wants the gang. There's this whole earlier bit that just doesn't work right. where he goes into the sewer and then he's back and then he goes back Sorry, to the sewer. I thought we'd moved it's, way it's past been... that. Yeah, no, I just wanted to highlight that because I'm a big stickler for uh, details like that. Um, and also, um, I've never seen the Pizza Hut version of this. No, I, I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I, I had. Seen... <laughs> yeah. I've only seen the Taco Bell version. Um, yeah. 
Which actually works now because uh, we have 29 Taco Bell restaurants in the UK now. Do we? I don't think I, I can't think of a single one. And I live in London. Uh, no, there's only one in London, which is in Hammersmith. Uh, I think in the arcade by the tube station. You can really? get a Taco Bell there. We yeah. could have gone there that night when we ate our McDonald's drunk on the common there. <laughs> no, we didn't. I don't remember oh, that. No, that was Shepherd's that Bush, wasn't it? Wrong place. Yep. Um, also, has anyone eaten a Taco I mean, Bell? No. 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 I don't know what it tastes like. I, it seems to have quite a bad uh, reputation. Someone, it's one of those restaurants that I don't... I've never had one, but I got told that myth, um, uh, or it might not be a myth, but I'm being very careful because I, I know um, their, their legal department are huge fans of the show. <laughs> I um, and Someone told me the quality of the meat that they use in the Taco Bell is on the same scale of meat quality as dog food and cat food. Okay. But I don't know if it's true. It could be one of... It sounds like one of those rumours, like, you know, the... The pus-filled boil in the KFC that what? burst when someone bit into it, <laughs> and they Josh. thought it was mayonnaise, Josh. but it was actually just fluid from inside. Oh a, my a boil god! You know the when chicken was you know so when you, low quality. You make too much spit just before you throw up. That's just happened to me. <laughs> and disgusting. I would like to officially distance myself from Alex Zane's comments about Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> for the record <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you guys watched a lot of MTV at this time when this movie came out but I, I found it really took me out of the movie Dennis Leary showing up as Edgar Friend but just playing Dennis Leary um, yeah because he was it, doing exactly the same weird, shtick it was his no cure for cancer stand-up routine that mm-hmm. then got turned into a bunch of MTV adverts and he was sort of sort of the rock and roll comedian for a couple of years there and they just literally bring him out to do that shtick and it feels like yeah. to me today it'd be like bringing out michael mcintyre and getting him to do his live at the, the apollo <laughs> stuff <halfway laughs> through a film. like it just completely takes me out of it it doesn't and work it's not that like good that. yeah it, it, it just it doesn't work because it immediately feel it's not how people talk it's it's yeah. how people do stand up yeah. but i think it's a joel silver thing so obviously joel silver produced this didn't he and he also produced uh, another movie where he's got a comedian, a young comedian in to do exactly the same thing. And that's Lethal Weapon 4. When Chris Rock turns up in Lethal Weapon 4, he's doing that same thing where Joel Silver's gone, just do some of your fucking great material here, man. And it's, it's your moment to just do your stuff. And it sits as awkwardly in that as Dennis Leary does here because he's just doing his routine. Mm, very strange. But I guess if you're Joel Silver, you're tapping into that MTV market and it's all about, you know, making as much money that opening weekend as possible. So I'm sure that was on his mind. Yeah. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, I'm sort of racing towards the end here a bit because I can't remember anything else that happens. Um, there's a bit where... The, the, we're getting to the final showdown between John Spartan and Simon Phoenix and inexplicably S- Sandra Bullock is not allowed along for the ride for this bit even though she's been a really handy sidekick and she's got her cute little malapropisms where she sort of muddles up her 90s phrases and as I've mentioned she's basically single-handedly holding these scenes together um, but Sylvester Stallone just knocks her out for some reason and she's not allowed into the final showdown and she's unconscious and then we do get the final fight between the to um, Simon Phoenix and John Spartan, and it ends brilliantly because Wesley Snipes gets his head frozen and then Sylvester sort of smashes the shit out of it, and it's fun and excellent. That's the only bit I really remembered from my last viewing of this movie when I was a teenager, thinking that's a really cool death. It's, yeah. it's the way the crystallized blood yes. explodes. If, yeah. you, if you've ever seen... Um, the 10th Friday, the 13th movie, Jason X, there's another great liquid nitrogen death in that uh, with blood crystals, and that's really good too. I, I, I wrote down, uh, it shatters into tiny Terminator pieces. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> um, and there is a yeah. bit of, um, there's a sort of philosophical sign-off at the end, which is meant to sum up the film, and it does do a good job of it, where I can't remember who exactly Sylvester Stallone is talking to. He's talking to Dennis Leary to say, you need to be a bit cleaner. So Dennis Lee represents the resistance or the sort of anti this movement, whatever it is. And then he says to, I don't know if he says it to Sandra Bullock, I can't remember, but he's like, but you need to get a little dirty and then we'll meet in the middle is basically what he's saying. So I haven't figured it out. I can't say who's right, who's wrong, which is the best way to live, but somewhere in the middle, we'll all probably get along nicely kind of thing. And then to add insult to injury regarding Sandra Bullock being knocked out for the climax, she actually thanks him for rendering her oh, unconscious. Oh, God. I just can't. <laughs> I just can't. I, oh, thank you for doing that. Oh, it must have been like ashes in her mouth. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of her less appealing lines as well after they kiss at the very end and she goes, are all fluid transfer experiences like this? And, yeah. But she does have some... Her, I mean, I wrote down what you said earlier, which is that she is so good uh, in this and provides literally all the laughs. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> Sylvester Sloan then tramples over with his funny comeback, which just, they just don't work. But her lines like, um, you really licked his ass. Brilliant. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Sylvester Sloan. And she doesn't trample over that one because like, it's kicked his ass. And then she goes, let's go blow this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a stretch when he goes, blow this guy up. And you're like, oh, yeah. 
Okay. Um, just work with her. Do you know what I mean? She's bringing it to you. She'll pass it. You score. It's easy. Mm. Lovely. Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. Is there any any other uh, any more for any more any facts that you want to repeat back to me, etc.? I think it's the only um, movie um, in which uh, like Jeffrey Dahmer <laughs> gets a really nice com- gets gets a compliment where Wesley Snipes is looking at all the people he could unfreeze. He's like Jeffrey Dahmer. I love that guy. Oh, this is not <laughs> true. What about even though I've seen it with Chris, I always forget what it's called. Russell Crowe. Virtuosity. Uh, oh, thank yeah. you, Jeffrey Dahmer. I think gets a mention in Virtuosity. <laughs> um, we could we could touch upon all the stuff that the film predicted though. Uh, to, Daniel Waters actually Vulture, the website Vulture interviewed him just a couple of weeks ago because people have been talking about it again in the time of coronavirus in terms of um, greeting, high-fiving, you know, trying to have intercourse and things without touching each other and just asking him how he came up with all this stuff. And he said that it wasn't he wasn't really being that clever. He said a lot of this stuff was on everyone's horizon. But you've got a lot of stuff like the the, the self-driving cars, um, you've got the CCTV everyone everywhere monitoring everyone, speech being heavily regulated, I guess, on social media. You could see that. Um, you've got the joke about Arnold Schwarzenegger going into politics. Um, yeah, which was, so weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't that far-fetched because as soon as he married a Kennedy into the Kennedy family, people said, is he going to try and run for president? But yeah. um, And it was around this time they, I think they... Oh, he ran for. He was about to become governor of California at this point, and I think um, ten years think before, as well. ten years later, he became. Was it ten? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But had they had they changed some legislation or something? I can't remember. No, the talk the talk was that they was, would have to. It was politics. So the the talk was that, that so you you can't become president of America <laughs> unless you're born on American soil, and the thinking is that one day someone will change, have the constitution changed so that they can run for president. And Schwarzenegger was you know talked about as being maybe that person. But um, yeah, and and, and the, the other thing is is um, Zoom style meetings, which obviously we're all having <laughs> right now. Uh, that is very much in this film, except each each person has a little stand uh, that yeah, they're on screen. It's so wasteful, which I would really like for this podcast. <laughs> Just have little yeah heads in stands. <laughs> uh, did you mention um, did you mention the fact that they don't touch each other as well when they greet? Yes, and yeah, Sandra, obviously yeah, you, you, mentioned you that, must yeah. have missed that bit, but yeah, mentioned it twice. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> but we could we could be greeting each other uh, like this film <laughs> in the not too distant future, which is a, a weird thing to think about. I'm not. I'm going to grab you. I'm going to grab both of you. <laughs> I really am. I'm you excited have to about get it. Consent. I you have to get consent, Vicky. I, I keep telling you <laughs> for the you last this. time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the only thing. Go on, Alex. Go on. No, I was just saying the only thing that I think is really nice in this movie that uh, we haven't touched on is where they listen to, or they, or maybe we have touched on it, and I was just <laughs> not listening again. Um, was where they listen to a radio station that just plays out advertising jingles. Oh, yeah. I think like that's that's just great, like because. They are really catchy. And then when they double down on the joke, when they go to the like high-class Taco Bell and the guy on the piano singing the Jolly Green Giant advert. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's nice. Uh, it is kind of weird that he asks about his wife and daughter initially, finds out his daughter is alive, but then uh, never tries to track her down. Um, it seems a yeah. bit odd. Uh, they did actually shoot a scene. They had an actress cast as his daughter 
who is actually older than him in the movie because of the time jump. But apparently um, that it cut the movie dead. So Joel Silver um, made them cut it out. So, Mm. uh, but it does, it does feel like it's left hanging a bit where the finale should be maybe him being reunited with his daughter rather than forcing a kiss upon Sandra Bullock. (laughs) Well, but then there's all the arguments about is Sandra Bullock his daughter? Because that would explain... No, that doesn't make much sense chronologically, but she's got this weird love for the 90s that no one can, it makes no sense. Um, So does that come from this dad that she lost in the, you know, in the 90s, maybe? It would, that would work much better. And considering there's no chemistry between the two of them. Yeah, why not just do that instead? You just figure out, yeah, you just figure out doing that that sex scene with someone else. But, um, yeah. uh, And, and, um, uh, Daniel Waters before this announcement of of a potential sequel he did say that if a sequel I think he was half joking here but he said if a sequel did happen I wouldn't even need to show action in the trailer just a teaser of Stallone walking into a stall he sees the three seashells turns to the camera and says do you want to find out or what <laughs> so shall we do the bits is there anything else anyone would like to add no all good at my end let's do it okay um Chris what was your best scene I liked it when Sylvester Stallone kicked off Wesley Snipes' head. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, what's your best scene? Uh, It's the bit in the cryo prison where Sylvester Stallone kicks off Wesley Snipes' head. (laughs) But seriously, that bit is great. And it's like, just, it's a good death. I do have a couple of problems with it. There's a bit where Wesley Snipes traps him with the crane and then goes, ah, ha, ha, let's try a little bit of target practice. And you're like, yeah, but you actually should because like, you've shot at him and missed him about <laughs> seven times in this film. There have been scenes where you've been shooting at him and he's been standing in front of you and somehow he's had time to go, uh-oh, they're shooting at me and hide behind cover after you fired the bullet. So that was annoying. Um, and also, I do think at the end, although he lives up to his name of Demolition Man, uh, we get the promise for the premise and destroys the cryo prison. You've got to hope there are no more innocent cops <laughs> that were frozen in there, hoping to be defrosted, because they're all dead. Everyone's dead, all of them. The people who were going to be woken up. There's a guy in there for parking tickets. He's never <laughs> going to see the light of day. <laughs> uh, I agree with you both. It's the freezing, smashing head bit is the best bit. <laughs> what is your MVW, Chris? Uh, I am going to go for Wesley Snipes. Um, as, as great as Sandra Bullock is, she, she she grounds the film. I think he is what sort of elevates it, makes it really good fun. He's kind of playing an, that agent of chaos before, you know, we saw all these other Jokers uh, post-Nicholson. It feels like a very Joker-like performance. And I think he's great in it. And I love the fact that the film even predicts that Wesley Snipes will go to prison. <laughs> uh, what about you Alex uh, yeah I've got Snipes as well I thought he was um, I thought he was great I just loved him in it um, uh, really uh, uh, just uh, I mean I didn't I like the fact that they've gone ah, I just have a laugh with this improvise and you can tell he's sort of throwing a few lines here and there which is all fine the only bit that's sort of you're sort of like oh come on is when he's in the museum and he just sees that Chinese couple looking at an exhibit and he goes, oh, ha, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, oh, come on. How did yeah. that make it in? Yeah. I was like, that's a, li- <laughs> you know, this isn't live. Cut it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can make choices. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Um, 
obviously mine is Sandra. There's just no, and there's no, I will brook no argument about that. Um, she's undisputably the best thing in it. Um, okay, so what change, what one change would you make, Chris? Well, as Sandra Bullock wasn't that good in the film, maybe Laurie Petty. <laughs> <laughs> you dare. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> well, they should definitely have a scene, a, a post credit scene where we see Stallone actually wiping his ass. I mean, oh. come on, you've got to pay that off. Uh, no, let's have a sequel where we actually see the franchise wars. I love the sound of that. Oh, wow, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the film, they talk about the fact that Taco Bell won the franchise wars and that's why every restaurant is now uh, a Taco Bell, which means in the real yeah. world that they're the food company that paid uh, the film studio the, the, the most money to be included. But I think that's a really yeah. interesting uh, idea. That's the thing. How did they win it? Was it urban warfare, hand-to-hand combat? Did they take it to the streets or was it corporate? Poisoning. Yes! Another, another company's food product. You'd have a great a action idea. scene where Ronald McDonald squares off with Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Thank you. Write that down. Um, what change would you make, Alex? Um, apologies uh, to fans of The Police uh, or Sting, but <laughs> I, 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 was, I, I was actually in a... Uh, pain like a sort of it was a mental torture when the song demolition man not written for the movie an original piece of work comes on at the end it's the most it's just this wall of ugly sound that was filled my living room do you know who it was written I for Alex? Find the remote grace jones yeah grace jones yeah yeah and um I just, um, it was, I I couldn't get to the remote quick enough. It was a really, it left a bad taste in my mouth after an otherwise enjoyable experience with this film. Do you like It's Probably Me from Lethal Weapon 3 from the year before? (sighs) Um, Sing it. No. (laughs) No, I was so interested to see what was going to happen. It's Sting singing in like a fake Jamaican accent pretty much. And I am not, (laughs) not doing that on air. (laughs) (laughs) can can we can we can we go back to uh bad mouthing major corporate food brands uh, as a way of cleaning this show up (laughs) uh my change would be just back to sandra just for one second um let's she should be embarrassed about her love for the 90s it should be a secret her office should not be decorated with um red hot chili peppers posters and whatever and sylvester stallone should give her the confidence to get it right and to be proud of her love for the 90s and all the rest of it he doesn't knock her out because obviously and then she saves all her 90s stuff till right to the end and she recreates a famous scene probably from lethal weapon and saves the day in the fight using her 90s powers 100 <laughs> percent, love it It'd be a great yep. idea. <laughs> All right, good. I'm done. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, yeah, well, it's... Um, I mean, I don't want to remove the mystery and intrigue, but uh, I think we know what the verdict's going to be. Here's the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! All right, so I picked the films. So, uh, Alex, why don't you go first? Thanks very much, Chris. Uh, not a very tough one for me this week. Uh, this was my first watch of Universal Soldier. Um, didn't know what I was supposed to take from it or indeed what <laughs> anyone's supposed to take from it. it was, uh, I'm a bit perplexed by its popularity on any level. Um, I guess I do love that it still keeps keeping on and delivers sequels <laughs> 25 years 
later that are better than the original. I didn't see them. I saw the original. Um, for me, Demolition Man, hands down. Uh, I will say I didn't enjoy it as much as I did when I was a kid because uh, it's a freaking mess. Uh, <laughs> but I do love visiting future worlds more than I enjoy sci-fi set in the present day. And San Angelinas is a great bit of world building. So, yeah, Demolition Man. Vicky. Universe kidding demolition man without explanation because we've been at this for, I think you know why so just demolition man oh should I even Chris? should I even things up <laughs> no I think you should be honest um, well I mean if it's an action movie uh which these two are it takes 90 minutes for Dolph and Van Damme to square off in Universal Soldier whereas in Demolition Man Stallone and Snipes have battled twice in the first half of the movie so just on that um, I give it Demolition Man but it's more than an action sci-fi romp Demolition Man it's a goddamn prophecy and it's better in every way (laughs) shape and form so uh, it's three for three Demolition Man this week Bang! Be well. Demolition Man is our winner this week. I think we may have seen it coming without any prophecies of our own, but it is the winner. Demolition Man bests Universal Soldier. We also well, we also have a draw uh, because I was um, counting up the amount of profanity you both did during the course of these podcasts to see who owes the most credits. <laughs> And you've tied. I thought Vicky would take this by some some swear words, but um, you've both Thank done. You, uh, I mean, um, as much as I was paying attention to this, um, you've just done eight swears each. It's not a lot, is it? Actually? So you but both. I suppose that's, that's, that's sixteen. Good. So it's quite. Yeah. You both okay. owe eight well, credits. <laughs> I thought I'd smash that. I'm quite disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) There's always next week, you dick. (laughs) Um, Oh, my God, Alex has just pulled away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right, then, let's look ahead uh, to uh, next week. Uh, Victoria, you gave us a clue earlier in the week. Remind us of what the clue was. The clue was living on borrowed time. Um, Chris, do you want to have a guess off the back of that clue along with me, or shall we grab another clue? Ooh. I don't have another clue to give you. Excellent. Living on borrowed time. Terminator? No. All right. Uh, wait, living on borrowed time. So it's someone who... what? Give us a year for one of the movies, or uh, both of the movies. 2001. For one of them. Uh-huh. Oh, I think the other one's 99. I can't remember. Okay, okay, okay. Living on borrowed time. Um, oh, give us an actor. Come on. Give us an actor in one of them. Painful. Should I just tell you? Yeah, just tell yeah, this is, Should I just tell you? Should I just give you the films? Oh. <laughs> well, give us one of the films and see if we can guess oh, the other using okay. sound. All right, Chris, <laughs> Chris uh, you are having uh, the others. Oh, Do you want to guess yours, Alex? It's pretty fucking obvious. Yeah, I know what it is. Yeah, well, it's not. It's, it's not going to be a connection. What's going to be a spoiler? Is it? I mean, it's pretty what? fucking obvious. Though. I, I mean, what do you want from Am me? I... Wanted a clue. You got a clue. I mean, what? Could, what do I have to do? 
Is it that um, the director of mine got his job through a friendship with David Finch? <laughs> so, Alex, you're watching The Sixth Sense. The Sixth Sense. <laughs> I got it. Yeah, I worked it out. Okay. Um, so, what's the connection? Mm. Yeah. Chris, do you want to swap uh, at all? Or are you happy with the others? Excuse me. Excuse me. When it's my turn, you two just freely swap. When it's not my turn, (laughs) we never swap. So you're not allowed to swap. Not unless you, Chris, are best friends with M. Night Shyamalan, which you might be. But if you're not, you're not swapping. It's a thoughtful choice. They were best friends until Chris sat next to him at a screening and, you know, the usual (laughs) happened. Didn't say thank you for that popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) Told him what he thought of his movies and how he could be better. (laughs) you got to drop the twist thing, M. Night. Drop the twist thing. Um, All right, I'll do the sixth sense then. Uh, Chris, you're doing the others. I'm I'm assuming your silence means you don't want to swap. Not if Vicky doesn't want us to. I really don't want to. Oh, God, fine. Right, all right, I'll do the bloody sixth sense again. I know what happens in the end. Uh, uh, (laughs) Uh, Let's uh, leave it there then. And thank you very much for listening. If you want to hit us up on Twitter to talk about anything, uh, you can. Uh, We're always there. Um, uh, Well, Chris and I are always there. Uh, I think he doesn't do it. So that's at ClashPod. (laughs) Uh, Or you can email us, show at ClashPod.com. Also, do uh, subscribe to us and please rate and review us on Apple Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks again for listening. Back on Monday. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.